The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Creeps, cults, ghosts, guys named Jerry. This is your one-stop shop. If you like all that weird shit, join me. I'm Casey Balsham. I'm a comedian and I am fascinated by dark, twisty, and shady ass shit. On the Shady Shit Podcast, we're going to cover all the topics ranging from living in a haunted house to dating app scammers to Lizzie Borden and everything in between. Every Friday, I'm going to break down well-known and little-known stories that are sure to induce just a bit of discomfort. I am so looking forward to making your weeks just a little bit weirder. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the optimism doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. Today's episode of Looking Up is about rituals and, well, tea. Okay, so I feel like this is a good place to start. Here are three hard truths about me. Number one, I've never really tried coffee before. I know, I know, that's totally weird. Number two, if you've heard me speak before or read any of my work, you may already know I love talking about the benefits of and the science behind rituals. And number three, I love tea. I'm a self-proclaimed tea connoisseur. When traveling was a thing, I always bought local teas wherever I'd go. I love the ritual of making a cup of tea and the ceremony of drinking it. I love the way tea always inspires me to find greatness in the very small things. Rituals help to ground us, to keep us connected to what we value, to help us exercise the small areas of our lives we have control over, and also help increase a sense of self-mastery. Rituals can be mindful, intentional practices that help to boost mood, keep us on track, deal with struggle, build resiliency, and motivate us to keep moving forward. My guest on today's episode of Looking Up is Steve Schwartz, master tea blender and founder of the Los Angeles-based tea brand, Art of Tea. He started out as a young Ayurvedic student wanting to help heal his mother, and found himself blending together teas in his living room for the likes of the Peninsula Hotel chain and acclaimed chef Wolfgang Puck. This episode is about healing, resiliency, passion, rituals, mindfulness, self-care, history, and curiosity. All of that in a cup of tea. So take a listen, contemplate what you choose to ritualize and why. And if you haven't taken a few moments to slow down, sit down and mindfully brew a cup of tea. Maybe after this episode, you'll be inspired to do so. Oh, and random episode fact. Did you know chamomile tea isn't technically a tea at all? I have a confession to make. I've never, ever drunk coffee before. And I'm not a big, I'm not a wine drinker, but I'm really into like notes and I have like, it's funny, like my family always is like, you have a nose of a dog. Like I, I can smell everything and, and like taste and different layers. And so I am a tea, like a self-proclaimed tea connoisseur. It's like wherever I travel, the first thing I do is go to a, a local tea shop. And yeah. it's like all I want to shop for. It's all I want to know about. And, and partly maybe it's in my in my genes um, as an Indian person, um, tea and chai. But I'm just, I love the like, the like subtleness and the robustness of tea and I can like taste all the flavor profiles and smell them and I'm a tea lover in fact we just moved into a new place and 
what I was most excited about is I was like, this place, I'm going to have like a tea zone. And so I have a whole part of the butler's pantry, which is literally just for all my teas and for like the ceremony of me making tea. It's like my full tea zone. It sounds like that's a big part of it for you too. Like when you travel, you like uncovering and unpacking what the different teas are that you can source locally. And as you built up your home, part of home, I'm assuming growing up was that ritual of what chai meant being brought out, what chai meant celebrating, you know, multi-generational experience. So that full sensory experience that you're talking about, what's so beautiful is over 98% of what we drink when it comes to tea is actually water. So your senses must be really, really well-defined in order to pick up the different nuances when it comes to tea. And the fact that you've never gone to the dark side with coffee, it's, it's really impressive, especially just being in the U.S. So many people are coffee drinkers. So. And having a husband who is as into coffee as I am into tea. So I always was sort of envious of the whole like people had their drinks at coffee shops or they had their, the way that they liked certain things. And I always liked tea, but it wasn't necessarily so widely available. Coffee's sexy, man. I mean, you got like espresso machines, you got this yeah. heady aromatics going on and, you know, all these different drinks and you look at the menu and you're right, there's just tea and then a price yeah. point. You're like, well, what kind of tea do you have? I'm like, I don't know. Like, right. Yeah, green, it's a, black. Yeah, like, it's like, just yeah. like, like as if there's only one type of green or one type of black. And I didn't even mean to get into all of this right now. And we will get into all the things I want to ask you about, but it's so funny. So I always had that sort of like, I want to drink. And I, and I'm a really like customized person, like to the point where it, it annoys people like my husband, but like, I can never order something just off the menu. Like I'm very like, I want like this, this, and that it's not annoying. Cause we're in LA, we no. can do that. But yeah. with drinks, you know, when everyone used to go to Starbucks, there was never anything for me because I wasn't a coffee drinker and I wasn't too impressed with their teas. But once I decided to make myself a drink during the holidays and I called it Christmas in a cup mm. and it was basically half like steamed apple cider and the other yeah. half was chai tea oh, with like man. a little extra like nutmeg and um, some cinnamon. And so if I was good. really feeling naughty, it had like some whipped cream on top. But <laughs> I, awesome. I like had my drink and my my thing, but I just love it. And I think it it is obviously somewhat cultural, but I am I think I might be the only person in my family that likes it in sort of a ceremonial way and mm. also likes different types of tea. Like my parents drink or my dad drinks tea twice a day every single day, but the exact same way. His that chai ritual, is right? like, yeah, it's his ritual. And he's a very ritualized person. Like uh, like everything, it, he does so many things throughout the day that are exactly the same way. Mm. And I totally respect that. But I like the ceremony of it. And I yeah. love loose leaf tea. Like I can't actually do like tea bags. And as far as caffeine and tea, now caffeine has a very bad rap in our society. And I think a big part of it is because if you look at coffee, I'm going to bash coffee a little bit here. And I go to the dark side. I bash enjoy away. really, I enjoy a good cup of coffee from time to time, but there's nothing within the coffee bean to combat the negative side effects of caffeine. While tea has polyphenols and flavonoids and catechins, all the good stuff for you to actually combat the negative side effects of caffeine. So tea has actually been shown to have really positive results for focus for ADD, ADHD, for, for children that are suffering from just attention deficit, especially now when everyone's on Zoom calls, it's so hard to focus on the screen in front of you when you can't actually feel and touch and sense what's happening in the room and the space. So I'm not suggesting everyone should go out and give their kids tea, but there's real scientific evidence on 
tea and young adults and how it affects their own, just sort of like cuts the phrase of the mind and gets them hyper-focused on what's in front of them. We already jumped in, but before we jump in further, the way that I like to start looking up is a little section that I call looking in. And it's just a a series of rapid fire style questions just to get to know you a little more intimately. Do it. So without too much thought, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? Well, live my life. Uh, I would probably say I like going pretty far back in time and figure that the people that were living way, way before us have some sort of wisdom. I could pick three books, but if I were to, if I had to pick one, it would be Pirkei Avod, which translates as Vision of the Fathers. It's sages throughout time that have distilled how to exist as a human and show up as a human and, and what, it le- what it means to lead a meaningful life. Oh, I love that. I will definitely need to read that. Okay. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. Uh, other people, people think I'm not paying attention, but I'm hyper-focused <laughs> on what they're saying. I love that. Um, when is the last time that you cried? Last time I cried was like a deep cry was in April when our business got impacted pretty heavily by COVID and we had to furlough a bunch of our staff. Mm. And fortunately, we were able to bring a lot of people back and we were able to recover fairly quickly. But something out of my control, I take tremendous pride in our in our team and in our company culture and you know having that sort of stripped away left me feeling pretty powerless and pretty shitty. So I can imagine um, three words to describe yourself as a teenager during the high school years. Uh, dorky, creative, and theatrical. <laughs> uh, three things that have brought you joy today. Uh, my daughter got her braces off. Sat it on for a really Ooh. long time. Yeah, that's Congratulations. awesome. Thanks. Uh, second is, uh, we just went over a pretty big, um, hurdle in terms of, uh, technology on the team side. So just trying to reach customers more where they're at, it was a big team lift. So that's, that's super awesome. And the third thing, um, looking forward to connecting with you. This is, this is awesome. Just being able to share, learn more about you and, and share a bit, uh, more about the story of Art of Tea. I'm super honored to be here. So thank you. Oh, I am too. I was so excited when, I got the email that you were interested in being on the podcast because it was it wouldn't have been something I feel like people would have reached out to but like literally I cannot describe enough what a tea fan I am that like this is just this is feeding my soul. I'm so excited to connect with you and mostly I I you know want to start with what is your story and how did you get into tea and tea making? A lot of times I think people come from a tea making lineage or a family mm. background. And I am, I mean, I think you guys are based in LA, right? Aren't you? Yeah. You're just, you were a kid out of LA and you're making these amazing teas and I can't wait to hear why. <laughs> so, so, um, I got a full paid scholarship to go to university, started attending for the first six months. Where? In Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. Then my mom got diagnosed with brain cancer and, mm. uh, so I moved back uh, to go live with her in Santa Monica, and I took care of her for about 10 months, and we were only on allopathic medicine. We went from one doctor to another doctor. Nothing really worked for us, and, and at the time, the doctors didn't really know what to do, so we went from one experimental treatment to another, and um, then eventually she passed, and as soon as she passed, I realized 
cancer must have been around for thousands of years. We only just recently labeled it as cancer. So I wanted to learn more about how to understand my health a little bit better and help my, my family and community and, and uh, friends. And so I didn't want to stick needles in people. I didn't want to be a massage therapist. I didn't want to be an herbologist. And I didn't want to be a doctor, but I needed to figure out how we can understand health and wellness a bit better. So went on a journey. And part of that was just finding as many books as I possibly could trying to find people in, in the wellness space. And at that time, it was kind of weird. There weren't a lot of wellness gurus out there. But there was this one school in New Mexico called the Ayurvedic Institute. And there was a gentleman named Dr. Vasant Lad, who's from India, who incorporated Eastern and Western medicine together. And Ayurveda means the science of life. And so, man, if I can learn the science of life uh, and, and understand myself and, and wellness and healing a little bit better than uh, this sounds like a great school. I went there, fell in love with the school, became the only student advanced enough to work with the masters at my school on how to blend and source. Um, and while I was there, I was working at the herbal pharmacy as that student. And I remember I was on the phone with someone and, and I needed to source an ingredient. And, and they were asking, do you want to source this ingredient on an Eastern slope or a Western slope next to river? I said, it doesn't matter. I just need this ingredient. And he said, no, sir, it does matter. You need to come here yourself and experience it. So I was intrigued. I saved up my money. I worked four different jobs. I got a backpack and I started traveling around the world to find the best teas and botanicals possible. So I had no idea that I was going to start a tea company. I just knew that I was a huge tea nerd and started bringing stuff back for friends and family. And then out of my living room, sort of blending and caught the attention of Wolfgang Puck and then Shutters on the Beach Hotel and... Caesar's Palace and trained the first tea sommelier in the U.S. Wow. And, and Google and Slack and Vera Wang and all these other different projects. And so it just sort of grew from there. Wait, I have to say, I love what I do and it's like my true calling. But when you just said tea sommelier, like I actually think <laughs> that you have my like dream job in an alternate universe. Like that That's is awesome. literally what I would... I would love to do that. Like yeah. I would love to be a tea sommelier, especially from like the wellness standpoint. So that is so cool. I mean, I love being an optimism doctor, but I would like to be both. I think you can. And the fact that you're an optimist, optimism doctor is beautiful. I'm a huge fan of just the path to happiness, right? And there's so much linked, I think, with tea, ritual, the biological effect that tends to happen, or the biofeedback that happens when you're drinking a cup of tea. And Dr. Csikszentmihalyi and his whole, you know, path that's opened up this positive. And I grew up in a family of psychologists. My sister's a clinical psychologist. My mom was a family therapist. So it, looking for things and anchors that can bring yes. true wellness and happiness in our lives is, is so powerful. So you're offering amazing things in this world. Okay. Tell me about tea and specific different types of tea or blends and moods. Beautiful. So first of all, what is tea? So all true tea comes from Camellia sinensis. Can you, can you say that? All tea comes from one plant. Yeah, all comes from one plant. Yeah. It's called Camellia sinensis. Camellia sinensis. Yeah. So now I'm going to get a little scientific, a little geeky. Please here. do. We love getting scientific on this. This is okay. So you have three major strands. You have Camellia sinensis, Camellia sinensis samac, and Camellia sinensis cambodge. Right. So think about it kind of like grapes. You imagine going to a supermarket. You have purple grapes. You have green grapes. You have these pinkish sort of grapes. Now they have like cotton candy grapes, you know, like all yeah. these other different, different ones. But imagine three major types of grapes. So Merlot, a Syrah, and Champagne grape. 
And from that, you have thousands of sub-varieties of grapes. So the same sort of thing happens with tea. All true tea comes from Camilla sinensis, the grape of the tea bush, right? And those leaves are processed in particular ways. So if it's picked and dried, that's it, you have white tea. If it's picked and steamed or picked and baked or picked and steamed and baked or pan-fired, you have green tea. Both of those halt the oxidization process, and that's either white or green tea. Then you have oolong. Oolong is anywhere from 1% oxidized to 99% oxidized, meaning they take the leaves, they take these large bamboo baskets, they throw the leaves up in the air, they massage the leaves, they bring the juices up to the surface, and they let it sit in that fresh mountain air anywhere from you know, an hour, sometimes they'll wait till two o'clock in the morning when the humidity starts to drop, and then they'll start the roasting process. And there you can taste the heating elements of charcoal or aged wood or young wood. Um, and then you have black tea, which is 100% oxidized and 100% cooked. So imagine, what do I mean by oxidized? Take a bite out of an apple, your mom calls, you're on the phone for a while, you forget about the apple, you know, it turns 30 brown. starts to turn brown, boom. Then, oh my gosh, you got to do this podcast, you totally forget, you come back an hour later, and it's super brown. Now, depending on if you're, in, if you're calling, you're doing this, um, you're eating this apple rather in Miami, where it's super humid, versus uh, you're self-isolating in Palm Springs. Now, that apple is going to oxidize very differently. So depending on the origin and the family that's crafting it, um, you could have a very different uh, style of oolong come out, uh, just depending on the humidity, the elevation, and, and other factors that go into it. Now, there's one other tea, and that's called Pur. Pur is a mm -hmm. rich, fermented tea. It's kind of stinky. Some people describe it as like your grandmother's attic or a damp mm -hmm. forest floor, um, and it's deliberately fermented, and there's a whole process and sub-rash group of people that are really into that. Now, if it's not from Camilla sinensis, mm -hmm. then it's not a tea. So okay. chamomile, right? Not, not a, a tea. tea. Not a tea. Uh, yerba mate, rooibos. Rooibos is great, super yeah. delicious. Not a tea. You can't make a, a rooibos tea. tea. It's a. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't work. I now feel you, like people like just say tea if it's some type of herb that they are putting in hot water. Yeah. So the, there's a fancy right? French word for that herb in hot okay. water. And okay. that's tisane. Oh, yeah, tisane. Yeah. T-I-S-A-N-E or tisane. Yeah, yeah, you got it. And I never knew if it was tisane or tisane. I'm glad that you said it first. So it's a fancy French word. It basically means botanical or infusion. So you could have lemon verbena or lavender uh -huh. or chamomile or the combination of all of those, and you have a beautiful tisane. Now, if you infuse it with tea, there you have a tea fusion. Right. So if you have green tea with lavender and rooibos or chamomile, then you have a tea fusion. But as long as there's tea or camellia sinensis in it, you can call it a tea. But everything else, you can't. So now you and your audience know more than about 99% of the United yes. States in terms of what tea is and what tea is not. I love that. Um, I actually have a book that my brother-in-law, whose name is Alex, who that's also my husband's name, but my brother-in-law, Alex, sent me for Christmas. And it was literally this thick book on tea and tea mm -hmm. around the world. And it's so funny because my toddler, who's three, um, I've had it for two Christmases when he was around one run and a half, it slowly became his favorite book. And it is not a picture book. It has tons of words. It just like, wow. he loves it. Cause I love it. And so people are often like when they come over and he says, I want to read the tea book. They're like, this is very strange, but he loves it. Cause I love it. And we read the tea book before going to bed at night. That's beautiful. 
you know, tea has transformed our world. There's so much history in tea. There's so much, you know, they talk about reading the leaves, right? Like literally, you know, you going through the story of the different origins and the process and um, our commerce has been transformed on tea. Transportation has been transformed by tea. The, the first clipper ships before UPS and FedEx uh, it were developed specifically for carrying tea from uh, China over into Europe. The first book ever written on tea was called Cha-Ching. Cha-Ching. The first millionaires in the U.S. were actually tea vendors. So there's so much commerce and history uh, that, that happens around tea, not just the wellness, but just how right. things have transformed. Right. Okay, wait, teas and moods. Are there specific teas or tea blends that you recommend for enhancing certain moods? Yes. And let me say with a little bit of caution. So yes, of course. When I, when I first started practicing Ayurveda, I would get people coming to me saying, I need, I need more energy. Give me something that's going to yes. give me energy. I need more energy, right? And in fact, it's not the, the energy that, that people need. Sometimes it's taking a step back, relaxing right. a bit and, and recharging. So yeah, like sometimes when people want to seek energy in, in my practice at well, actually what they need is actually the opposite. Yeah. It's actually to relax or it's to take a rest or to sleep or, um, you know, to take a break. And along those lines, you have something like in Ayurveda, they, there's a strong belief that one pill cannot and should not be served for millions and millions of people. So chamomile, for example, according to Ayurveda is known to have relaxing properties. And it's known that, you know, people that want to relax, they want to, you know, calm down. Drinking a, a cup of chamomile is soothing and relaxing. But according to Ayurveda, if you drink it consistently over a long period of time, it can actually create some aggravation and some irritability. So taking a break every five to seven days, giving your body a reset moment instead of drinking consistently. So there are also a combination of different botanicals where one plus one doesn't necessarily mean two. One botanical and another botanical could equal four. So it multiplies the magnitude and, and potency of those different things. So we've actually created a line of wellness Ayurveda teas. One's Breathe, which is really known to be a lung opener. And Ayurveda really believes that certain botanicals, the way that they're shaped, um, are actually known to help with specific functions. So for example, ginkgo biloba. Ginkgo looks like a brain. And ginkgo is actually good for, uh, for, for memory. And the, science, the scientists discovered, well, you know, if ginkgo is good for the brain, then it's got to be good for Alzheimer's. And let's extract that thing within ginkgo to help with memory. And they realized, well, that people were actually dying because they didn't have the full proponent of the leaf. There's right. other properties of the leaf to combat the negative side effects. So interesting. If there are certain botanicals within breathe, for example, like lemongrass, which is shaped mm -hmm. kind of like a lung. It's hollow on the inside, which is known to help uh, expand the lungs and help. And right now, as people are sort of trapped indoors um, for, for whatever reason, this is an inspiring time to just take deeper breaths, take you know more moments in time. And there are other wonderful botanicals that we work with, whether it's oat straw or ashwagandha and goji berry that are known just to be great immune builders. Um, so, uh, it really depends on what someone might be looking for in terms of mood. Right. I write a lot for the people that listen in that have been listening for a while. They know I write a lot about the science behind rituals and how grounding they are and the important scientific benefits of them as well as the holistic benefits. So 
I am excited to talk to you about tea drinking and rituals. So one of the most powerful things in terms of the ritual really is when most people, they take a break from work, they go to their phone, they look on Insta, they, they you know, check out Facebook, and it's not a real break from tapping on. I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm sure. So if we just turn our phone off for about eight minutes, we, we get the water ready, we select our leaves, we hear the, the water boiling, right? We select our favorite cup and we, we be super mindful of myopic in that whole process. That mindfulness in terms of, you know, getting everything ready and all the steps that we're taking will spill over into the rest of our life. It's a whole paradox. I don't have time to make a cup of tea. You have time, I don't have time to make a cup of tea, but if you take a few moments out, you'll have a significantly more time. You'll own your time rather than being dominated by time. I was a couple minutes late to this recording and it's because I really valued the full experience of making myself a cup of tea. And I thought, who who more than Steve would appreciate that (laughs) and be okay with me running a couple minutes late. But I actually use the making of tea as one of my mindful mindfulness exercises in the day. And it's super important to me. Tell me about your process. Like what, what can do you mind sharing with your, yeah, sure. So it depends if I'm uh, in the morning, I, I don't drink matcha in the morning, but every, I used to drink matcha every afternoon. And mm. this was like not a matcha latte, although I have those sometimes too, but I've been, I've been a fan of matcha since I think I was maybe 17 or 16, nice. which I know to some people was really gross at the time. It's an acquired taste. Basically, in the morning, I like actually have gotten really excited about my instant water heater. Like I have a new one. It's really beautiful. I love seeing it. It makes me really happy. We built uh, a little area in our bedroom as well as like a little mini dry bar so that I could have my tea up here as well. But I've been going downstairs. So I brew the water. Um, exactly what you said. I love listening to it boil. I love getting to choose depending on what tea that I'm, I go into my tea drawer and I have them all lined up really beautifully. This is a game changer guys. Like I never, I'm not an organized person, but I had someone come a dear friend of mine, Kendra from Organize My Hand came and she like made me my dream tea area. So now when I open up my cabinet and my drawer, they're all listed out and I feel like I'm in like an apothecary and I get to go and I'm like, what do I feel like this morning? And I don't drink the same tea every morning. I switch it around depending on how I feel. And it's a way that I get to ask myself and check in with myself and say, what do I feel like having this morning? What do I feel like I need? What do I want to celebrate? And um, what do I want to think about? And so I'll choose my tea. I have a little tray for it. I'll go and I'll put the hot water on. And while it's brewing, I'll start making my own tea bag with, um, you sent me some as well, which is so great, but like an organic uh, tea bag that you can put loose leaf teas in. And so I have a little spoon as well. That's very particular. And it's like someone that loves to write in a journal, having their favorite pen or paper. I've got my favorite tea paraphernalia. Beautiful. So I make my little tea bag. Um, I give it a nice smell. I really like I'm just in it. And this is before my son wakes up and it's the Your morning time. light is coming in. It's my time. It's very short, but it's my time. And then I select my cup. And again, I don't drink my tea out of the same cup every day. I have 
a few different options, many different options. <laughs> and I'm always sort of collecting. I newly have these cups made by hand by this local ceramicist that I love and I'm really into right now. Uh, yeah, I make my tea. I I don't always get to enjoy it, the actual drinking of the whole cup in the way that I I would like to, but I try to do that at least a few times a week. Sometimes I'm just having it while I'm doing something else, but at least I got that mindful few moments in the ceremony for myself and the ritual of making it. And there's something about making something for yourself that is just so that you enjoy that feels, I know it sounds silly, but like, it feels like a sense of like self mastery when I make the, like, Mm. I take my first sip and I'm like, ah, I made this perfectly. Yeah. And it tastes better when you add when you add that intention behind it. So two things. One is when you're hearing that water boil. So now we have these really sophisticated devices that can tell you exactly the, you know, what temperature to boil yes. at. But back in the day, some of the first tea books that were written would talk about the rising of bubbles. And they would describe it, the rising of bubbles, based on, you know, if it's small little bubbles, it's like a Fu Manchu. If mm. the, the bubbles start to grow, it's a beard of an old man. If it's a rolling bubble, it's like a beard of a young man. So they would have all these different things based That's on so cool. men's beards, right? And this, the second thing is, is that teas actually used in Zen monasteries throughout Japan. Mm-hmm. So yes. as a tool for focus, for meditation, for intention. And, and the fact that you're doing this before giving love and attention to your son, before giving love and attention to, to your audience, your patient, whoever you might be seeing for the day, the fact that you're giving to yourself first, you're putting that mask on for yourself first before you're, yeah. you know, you're putting it on for anyone else. It's, it's so incredibly powerful and it's such a great lesson, I think, to share. Thank you for that. Absolutely. It makes me so excited. I have a question for you. Of your line of teas, do you have a favorite? I know for me, I'm, I've got a few favorites from different, um, and now I'm have, I have my favorite from yours, but um, it kind of switches around. Are you a one tea guy or do you like switching it up and what are some of your favorites that you're drinking right now that's so funny so it's sort of like who's your favorite kid yeah i have three daughters they're all amazing i definitely don't have a favorite but when it comes to teas it really depends on season and depends on time of day depends on but i love all of them i you know in the beginning when i was blending and coming up with the recipe of, of over 100 different teas that we have to offer I literally have a journal next to my bed and I'd write down, I'd be inspired and write down different recipes. One example was driving to Palm Springs and there was, we're stuck in the middle of a monsoon. Open the doors, you know, once the monsoon passed and there was an aroma that was so fresh and, and clean that um, decided to create a tea. Uh, it's called summer peach. That reminds me of that smell of the monsoon. So some are better iced, some are better hot. Two teas that I've been drinking really consistently. One is uh, called Big Sur, and it's uh, black tea with Italian bergamot oil, and a touch of French vanilla, and then we source just really beautiful mint um, from two farmers in Northern California and Oregon, and it's all hand-blended here in our facility in LA. And that, that Big Sur is really phenomenal. Oh my God. Just here, this is like my love language. Right? <laughs> that sounds awesome. incredible. I love that. I love the idea too of tea, um, not just being medicinal or even, a, you know, a part of a ritual, but actually something that can transport you, especially right now. Um, there's been a lot of research that I've been talking about, especially right now, that is all about this idea of spending more time in awe 
or mm. being transcended or inspired by something bigger than yourself and um, how that's so directly correlated as an antidote against or for anxiety to keep that at bay and, and also to boost mood. And um, I could, like tea can be so transportive. And I think like exactly what you're talking about right there, I think it's it's and like how I, you know, in my own little way as, you know, a young person decided to make Christmas in a cup like it mm. just transported me. It wasn't even during Christmas time, but you know, it just transported me to a certain time or a memory or right now I'm using tea a lot to go places mentally and emotionally yeah. that I can't be at. So tea is grown in this beautiful, pristine environment, right? You have this clouds and mist that roll in, it rolls off around 1030, typically hand harvested, at least, you know, the, the teas that we source, the top 2% of all the teas that are produced in the world. Um, they're hand roasted, hand massaged, hand rolled, and then it's brought over from the farmer to us. Um, we pay for it. Then we blend it, we pack it, we sell it, uh, let's say to a restaurant or a hotel, and then that restaurant or hotel or, or, or artofteacom uh, we sell it then to the customer. So there's all these transactions that happen. We can add some sort of sacredness back to the process. Um, and part of it is, you know, taking that moment of awe really is understanding and appreciating as best as we possibly can that the whole purpose of the leaf that's actually in your cup right now, the whole purpose is for you to fully realize and extract the energy and let that the purpose and the energy of that leaf now be fully realized through you as that vehicle, that medium as best mm -hmm. as we possibly can. I feel like if this conversation hasn't made a non-tea drinker want to at least be curious or to, to try tea, I don't know what will. Um, I, it's 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 just such a beautiful a beautiful explanation, and I love the science behind it as well, and how passionate you are um, in the entire process of it. Like it's it's so authentic. Um, Thank you. Are there any misconceptions that you feel float around? I know I often talk about misconceptions and how people interpret optimism. Are there some misconceptions out there on how people interpret tea or how tea can be exploited? I know one of them I just learned is that I feel like a lot of people call certain things teas that are not actually tea mm -hmm. because they're not from that plant. Not all teas are created equal. So I'd like you to think about it like a bag of unsalted, unflavored chips. On the top of the bag, you get these beautiful uniform shapes. And as you work your way down to the bottom, you have powder or dust, right? Yes. So as we're producing our teas in the factories, the dust flies up in the air, falls on the ground. They sweep it in giant piles. And that's typically what's reserved for most traditional paper tea bags that you could find in most supermarkets. Mm. When you drink a whole leaf tea, and all teas, again, are graded by size. So when you drink a whole leaf tea, you get... The natural oils, as the leaves are being massaged and rolled, the juices and the oils get pushed to the surface and get trapped into the rolled leaf. So what you end up getting is that unlocked potential. So as soon as it hits the water and starts to steep, the natural flavor of the amino acids, the polyphenols, all the good stuff for you, the, the, the L-theanine that affects the, the mental state, the emotional state, all that is felt and delivered more so from a whole leaf high quality tea experience than it is through a traditional supermarket tea experience. So when most people say, I don't like tea, I would say, I don't blame you. If you're used to, and I don't want to bash any major tea brands that are out there, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the you know, major, major tea yeah. brands that are out there. 
Um, but if you're used to that experience, then the chances are you would not be attracted to, to tea, and I get it. But as soon as people dive into a higher quality tea experience, a whole world opens up where if you want that citrus, you want vanilla, you want more smoky, more floral, um, and you all of a sudden you get people are like, I'm totally hooked on coffee and I know how to get off this train. So I'm looking for something where it's a calm energy, right? I can stay focused all day. I can be in the zone, be present with my loved ones and, and, and give myself that sense of love and gratitude. Tea can really help be that vehicle to help get you there. There was like a study that came out um, a little while back about the actual tea bags, um, yeah. like bagged teas that were like really toxic. And yeah, the, the microplastics, right? Yes, yes. So teas are basically, uh, if it's loose leaf tea, then you can put it in any medium, right? And you're right, we do have these bags that you can self-close. Uh, yeah. We have a patented design. It's made of a biodegradable, compostable material, which is phenomenal. And then we have teas in a sachet. It's a clear material. The beautiful thing about it is the corn-based derivative. So there's no microplastics. There was a big discovery about these pyramid-style tea bags that had mm -hmm. microplastics when you brewed it, and those microplastics went into the cup, went into the ocean, and it was a big deal. So we, from the very beginning, decided let's go into a sustainable product, being the largest provider of organic and specialty teas, meaning we carry the largest variety of organic teas in the market. We had to go all in on a sustainable product. And so for us, yes. our sachet is made out of corn. It's not made out of microplastics. What is a good tea for someone to try that has never had tea before? Or is just not a tea person? Yeah, we actually have a tea quiz uh, on our site. Uh, Ooh, and so what, what that does, it helps enable someone to walk through the process of like, hmm, I'm a coffee drinker. I, want, I, I like that robust, smoky flavor. Um, you know, your father probably likes Assam, like that rich, meaty, um, hearty flavor of, of that, of that uh, style tea. So I would gravitate more towards North Indian Assam teas, mm -hmm. breakfast blends. Um, and if someone's uh, wanting something that's a bit lighter and fresher, um, you know, going towards a white tea or a Japanese style green tea. Um, but I, I would look for a specialty like tea Like a sencha or... Yes, but there's multiple grades of sencha. I would try mm -hmm. to steer away from something that you can get at a supermarket just because you don't know how yeah. long it's been sitting in a distribution center and then a supermarket shelf. I would go, I'd either find some off beaten path tea shop or I'd look online for a trusted supplier. If you weren't drinking your own tea, and you can feel free to say pass on this, but if you weren't drinking your own tea, what is another brand of tea that you respect and you think is doing a really good job? Yeah, great question. Well, one is, you know, living in California, we're so fortunate, it's easy to grow multiple botanicals here. So I would look at growing lemon verbena. I'd look at growing different style of mints. I'd look at growing different citruses and, and adding those. Uh, and it, it's sages. There's tons of California sage and wild sage and green and, and, and purple sage. There's lots of different sages that can be grown here naturally. I wouldn't look further uh, other than just what can be grown in your own backyard. Cause it's, in fact, there's a story of a student and a master and the master says to the student, okay, you're now ready for your final exam. You have 24 hours and you have to go within a one mile radius. And I want you to find a single botanical that doesn't have medicinal value. 
The student's excited, so okay, gets up, goes out, comes back 24 hours later, sobbing. Master, master, I failed. I couldn't find a single botanical that didn't have medicinal value. And the master looked up and said, no, in fact, you've passed. So every leaf, every root, every botanical has medicinal power. You know, the root could be poison for one person, while the stem and the leaf or the flowers could be medicine for, for another person. And so having a good understanding and starting to get to know some of the different botanicals that are growing, if you're in the dead winter of Boston or you have full sunshine here in Southern California, um, just knowing what you could actually plant in your garden or just indoors in your little windowsill. Mm. I didn't really think about like drinking teas that were seasonally appropriate or, or local or um, I guess I've never, I never thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Lots can be grown very, very easily and, and just harvesting and also teaching your kids where things come from. And there's a deeper appreciation in terms of the connectivity with what we put in our body as well. So do you recommend that all people should drink organic tea? I think that when you're looking into tea, knowing your supplier is super important and valued. Finding a supplier that goes through GMP process, there's a lot of tea companies that are just marketing companies where it's yeah. done for them and packed for yes. them. Yes. I'd look for- Like a, a white label or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd look for a vertically integrated tea company where- they are aware of the origin to cup and, and have in that full traceability behind it. Um, I am a strong believer in organic, but with that said, yes. there are some farmers that we work with, they're like, we can't afford pesticides. You know, they, they don't even right. know what pesticides are in certain areas. So a trusted supplier will be able to tell you that narrative and that story a bit more. Before I ask you the last question, I just have to say, I feel like there should be an, an art of tea, things are looking up, collaboration and we should come up with our own blend of tea. Yeah, together. let's do it. That sounds so yes. fun. And be great. A very optimistic tea. I think yeah. we should do that. That's going to be for the new year. I can't wait. There are certain botanicals that have the uplifting feeling that you get yes. from tea and that de-stressing calm feeling you get from chocolate all combined yes. in one. So there's some really fun stuff we can do together. Okay. We're doing it. Sounds great. Amazing. Awesome. You're going to make my optimism doctor and tea sommelier dreams come true. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. So Love it. Be my honored. last question for you is what is looking up? What is something that we can watch out for? Is there anything new? Are there some new tea blends coming out? Um, and also just generally, what are you hopeful about? And I think that is a very important question these days. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of silver lining in this period of time where people are um, realizing that what they're what they were chasing before and what they can chase now are very different. And, and part of that is this, that silver lining of just giving yourself permission to unwind, giving yourself permission to take a few steps back and just be um, a little bit more patient and, and have a little bit more grace in terms of your day and time. In terms of what to look out for, I think that there's going to be more research and more coming out in terms of the different botanicals um, that have different health benefits behind them. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see more awareness on the health and the natural side of things. Absolutely. Um, and things that we can just do on our own. And yeah. Utilizing our own resources and from home. I think I'm, I'm really excited about proactive mental and emotional um, well-being and, and use, utilizing our own resources with what we have. And you would be surprised of what you have within yourself and also what you kind of just have 
in your kitchen cupboard or in your backyard in terms of what's local and what's seasonal. And I think that's so beautiful. It's there. It's there. The only thing I'd recommend is if you are going to store it in your backyard, on your back, yeah. you are going to store it in your kitchen cupboard, tea is a natural odor absorber. So you want to make sure that each tea is properly airtight. stored, airtight, exactly. Um, because it'll pick up the smells and the, the different senses if it's next to spices or other sorts of strong aromatics. So just make sure that it's stored properly. Well, one day I will invite you to my tea zone. <laughs> I think you'll be impressed. I would be very impressed, but you should, I, you know, if I can humbly say- I need say, to come to your share, tea zone. I would, I'd be honored if you come here, but I also recommend hosting it. Like share yes. your, share with the world what, what it looks like. Oh, I do. And I will. Okay. <laughs> okay awesome. um, the last thing that we do is I get to ask all of my guests to pick a card from my things are looking up optimism deck of cards. And um, because we're not together, I will pick a random one for you. You didn't know it, but this podcast actually comes with homework. Awesome. I love the okay. designs, by the way. It's Thank great. Thank you. Yeah. This beautiful. one's yours, which kind of looks like some tea leaves, but yeah. they're not tea leaves. Um, they are they, they are some leaves that were local, though, in my neighborhood. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. This one's your card. Oh, interesting. Ah, this makes a lot of sense. Okay. Develop a morning ritual. What is the first thing you do when you wake up? Does it make you feel good, motivated, and centered? If so, keep it up. If not, it's time to have some fun and create a new first of the day routine. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of discipline over motivation. I, I believe that um, I don't, we don't always wake up feeling like, yes, I'm ready to freaking crush it today. But Definitely the, not. The first thing I do is I say a prayer of gratitude. Um, it's, and the second thing I do is going to sound a little kooky, but I literally make sure that I put my right foot on the floor first. Mm. And the reason is I just want to get off on the right foot, right? So just yeah. it's my intention that if I'm feeling exhausted or if I'm feeling just super jazzed, that I'm really intentional with the first motion of the day. I love that. And so much of our human experience, and we're all facing right now, but it's really something we experience throughout our whole lives is this lack of control and how much, how little control we have over a lot of aspects of our lives. And it's really, uh, it's emotionally tough. And so I think anywhere that you can exercise an intentional bit of positive control, which is like, I'm going to decide and control which foot I put down when I wake up out of bed and be really intentional about it. And this is what it means to me. It's, it's actually a really beautiful way to, to increase self-mastery and resiliency and, and take charge. Um, of your own life. So I think that's really beautiful. And thank you so much for joining me. So I had sweet. such a good time. Me too. It was awesome. This was the best tea time ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to share a pot of tea together. It'd be great. Oh, I, absolutely. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.co. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.